Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community. New innovations and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. What is quality assurance? SQA believes that quality is getting what you paid for. Quality is spectacular, iconic, heroic, patient safety, safe flights, and astronauts to space. Quality is worldwide. SQA has a global footprint that supports complex and highly regulated supply chains. The partnerships SQA has created over 25 years have benefited through integrated strategies where SQA is able to support clients on an annual basis. Each year, SQA works with its client partners and their suppliers in over 70 countries, deploying a robust network of over 1,000 associates. SQA understands the complexity and challenges within a global supply chain, and our clients have seen that the results from SQA exceed their internal efficiencies. Annually, SQA performs 3,000 audits, 150,000 hours of component inspections, and 35,000 hours of engineering supplier development. Quality is what you put into it and how great you want it to be. For over 25 years, SQA has been a leader in assessing, monitoring, and improving supply chain performance. Quality is SQA, so come and join us. You can visit us at sqaservices.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. We hope you enjoyed the holidays last week and are continuing to joy- enjoy the holidays as we look into 2021. And, you know, this is it. We finally reached the end of 2020. I think it would be an understatement to say that it's been a difficult year for many, but there have also been plenty of positives that we can take note of as well. Before we get into what this episode, this final episode of 2020, what that is all about, let's get into the question of the week. So the question of the week was, who are your supply chain icons? And we had some great answers. Annabella, Olivia, Uh, said Sean Baker, Dan Deegan, my students are my icons. Watching them grow and scale their business is all the inspiration I need. We also had Nick Romer. This is one that I can't answer without the list becoming too long. I don't have icons. I have teachers, friends, coaches, much more. Brian Glick says Anne-Marie Ditoranto. Peter Bure says Ian George. And when I wrote this post, I was talking about some of my icons. And one of those is Catherine Wengel, who is executive, I think executive VP over of supply chain over at Johnson and Johnson. She was one of the first people or women in that role that I got to hear from at a conference probably about 10 years ago. And her speech was just inspiring and I learned so much and it was really valuable. And so that's really stuck for me. And then also all the people that are rallying around our seafarers and really helping them um, 
with with everything that's going on, they've been on the vessels for a very long time. And so I just wanted to give a shout out to to those people. They are icons in my mind because they are taking care of our supply chain frontline workers as well, who have been on vessels for over 18 months without even seeing family. So thank you to everybody who uh, commented on the question of the week. Remember, we do have that question of the week every single Wednesday morning on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So make sure to comment and we will definitely feature you on an upcoming episode. The best way to do that is to comment on the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn post. So in this very episode, I want to reflect on some of the things we've seen and done. Round out the year on a high and approach 2021 with a really positive mindset. So welcome to the show, Graham. Hey, thanks for having me again. I am so excited to have you back. You have been such a friend of the show ever since the beginning. We love working with you. So to help me welcome you, why don't you talk about who you are, what you do, so we can get the audience acquainted with you. Sounds good. Yeah, so I'm Graham Robbins, and I'm the CEO and founder of Border Buddy, and Border Buddy helps importers and exporters get their products across borders into Canada and the U.S. We're licensed on both sides of the border to do that. And our primary focus is on platforms. So if you're a freight platform, a trucking platform, a e-commerce platform, we want to help you and your customers calculate the duties and taxes for cross-border. And then we actually do the customs clearance, we integrate, we do all the tariff classification and duty and tax collection and all of that for you. And I've been in the customs brokerage industry pretty much my whole life. I've been, that's my main job since I was a teenager. And, and you know, that was started with A&A Customs Brokers, which was our, uh, is our company's, uh, our family's, uh, sorry, our family's customs brokerage business that was started by my parents back in 79. Yeah, you and I have somewhat of similar stories, but you grew up in customs and I grew up in international freight forwarding. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why we sort of gelled at the beginning is we had a similar story of uh, second generation and and being in this business where you can't really escape it ever. Once you're in, you're in. Yeah. <laughs> you're in and it's in yeah. your blood and, and that's... that's it for you. You also have a podcast. Why don't you tell everybody about that? Yeah, so I have a podcast. It's the Graham Robbins podcast, and I have you to credit. You know, you were the first person that ever had me on a show, and and I realized that I just enjoyed the conversation so much that my my podcast actually doesn't really have a theme. It's just people that I really gel with. I like talking to. I learn from. I have them on, and we just chat for an hour or so and talk about anything. You know, business, life raising your kids, you know, setting goals. Uh, and, and yeah, it's been so much fun. So again, thank you for, for getting me involved at the beginning. Oh, I love that. And I'm so glad that I could, uh, I could inspire it. I mean, and I love being on your show too. You're just so easy to talk to. So this episode is a look back on 2020. We're going to do a year in review, <laughs> talk about and unpack everything that had to do with 2020. And I don't think we have enough time, but we're going to try to do it because there is so much to talk about. So why don't we start with COVID? Because it's not a 2020 year in review without it, but let's tackle it first and then put it behind us. I think we're all more than familiar familiar with the challenges by now. So let's talk about what we've learned from COVID. 
you know, I've touched on it with pretty much every single guest that I've had for the latter part of this year. And I think we all agree that COVID has done us a backhanded favor in a way by helping to highlight some of our weaknesses. What are some of the gaps that we've identified, you know, at a business and an industry level because of COVID? What do you think, Graham? Yes, that's a massive topic. You know, I'll just start off by framing it a little bit. You know, so we are still remote. You know, we're we've been 100% remote since about March 13th. 2020. Uh, I've seen my COO, I think once, and most everybody else, uh, not once since March. So it's been a completely transformative year for us. I think some of the things that that I've learned uh, through this is, you know, remote work is actually really well suited for logistics, for customs clearance. And let me be clear on that, customs clearance especially. If you're running a warehouse or you have manufacturing or you're doing pick and pack, you know, you need people in in your facilities. And I think one of the things that we really are looking at is just the measurements around everything. And so you're not having to micromanage things as much. So you have very clear data now on, you know, what did you do this week and, and how is it going? You know, just really having that clear sense of what everyone's working on super, super aligned, super collaborative still, but really just using a lot of data to understand how, how we're doing versus before you could just go, Hey, how are you doing? You know, right next to, right next yeah. to somebody. And now it's, it's a little bit more of let's look at the data and then, and then work backwards from that. Yeah. Well, and I also think that it's more, I think, you know, this is the year of intention right? Because we're not seeing people as much in the office and we're seeing people on Zoom, we don't really get a good idea and sense of how they're really doing. And so I think we need to be a little bit more intentional about mental health, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I know you're a big advocate of that and talking to people about how they're doing and saying that it's not, it's okay to be not okay and helping them with empathy, leading with empathy, helping them with balance. So that's what this year has really uh, shown up for me, I think. I, I agree. And I think one of the things that we're learning is, you know, I, I feel like we can never do enough as employers. You know, we're responsible for these people and, 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 and helping them as much as we can. And one of the things that we've really done and maybe too much is we've just left them alone. And, and yeah. what I mean by that is, you know, we aren't doing happy hours. We aren't doing mandatory show up for this. Uh, you know, we're, we're just sort of saying, Hey, let's, we have so much other things going on in our life. You know, our kids, are they being homeschooled? Are they not? Are they doing virtual? Are they in class or half your, you know, half your class parents, are they, you know, are the kids wearing masks or not? It, there's so much other stuff going on that quite frankly is more important that we, mm -hmm. we have taken maybe too much hands off where we've just said, you know, hey, you know what needs to be done at the office. You know what our customers care about. We have metrics that track how we're doing. And I'm not checking on you if you're there at 8 o'clock or not or you leave at 4.30 or not. I'm, I'm just really, really being a little bit hands off on that. And I think that's that's mm -hmm. the part that we can do is – Instead of saying, okay, what, you know, what time did you get your seat? Let's have virtual happy hours. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do that. It's almost like, how about no meetings this week? <laughs> you know, you right. know how, how about just leave me alone? I've got, I've got all this other stuff to do. Uh, and that's been the approach. We'll see how our, our team, we have, you know, employee net promoter score. We'll see how our team reacts to that. 
but that's really been our approach so far is let them handle their own business and handle their own their own life and let let the office part be less of a stress than it than it might mm-hmm. otherwise be well, and I think a lot of people have seen more productivity, which is which is huge. Um, I think the other exciting thing about COVID and supply chain is I don't think I've ever heard the word supply chain out of politicians' mouths as much as we're still hearing it because now they're talking about the logistics of the vaccine. Um, and then what was really exciting was hearing Dr. Oz talk about supply chain and having Daniel Stanton on the show as well because that took us to a whole nother level. I agree. And I think, I think the other learning is, you know, they talk about essential services and, and our, our role in that. And it's actually really being good for our people to understand, you know, this, the the work that we're doing is really important. It's, you know, it's, it doesn't matter if it's the vaccine or if it's just a mom and pop shop trying to get their, their goods on their shelf before Christmas so they can maximize their sales because sales have been tough this year. You know, we, we really need to understand how important we are, in that that middleman piece to to make all of all of that happen you know basically help commerce flow for people and it's been kind of fun to be you know a little bit in the spotlight like yeah we are essential you know we're necessary (laughs) yeah yeah and that's that's really been interesting too right because a lot of people are talking about the truckers and how essential they are and and just want to throw out a thanks to you know, all the truckers, all the trucking company and everybody that's been working tirelessly. But I think we also have to take a look at the international side as well. And one of the things that have come up in the last couple of months for me is the conditions for the seafarers that are actually on the boats and the, the ocean vessels that are moving products back and forth. Um, they are essential to keeping our economy essential to keeping uh, to for us having stuff on the shelves as well just as much as the trucking companies and we don't hear about them as much and there has been a lot of um there has been not a lot but some people coming forth and talking about the seafarers and the conditions that they're in and some people have not seen their families in 18 months and they've been stuck on the vessels because they can't get off and the mental health it's it's very concerning about the mental health of these individuals and what they're going through and how you know they've really been keeping trade going throughout this whole year yeah i completely agree i you know i can't skip over the truck drivers the the, I had the, actually had the head of the BC Trucking Association on, on my podcast, and, and we talked about at the very early, you know, about two weeks in, about what the truck drivers were having to deal with because, you know, they were allowed to, they had to be able to leave and come into the country. And at that time, the border was locked down. Then they had to sort of prove what, how they had to do that. Then they would show up at, you know, for deliveries, and no one wanted to interact with them because, you know, everyone was kind of hiding and things like that. And so they're really the, the, the nuts and bolts of the whole supply chain, like without truck drivers, without everyone on the container ships and, and working on every mode of transportation, air, ocean, truck, train, they're such an important part. And, and it's funny because I had a friend text me the other day. He goes, you know, I just found out, do you know what the biggest employer in North America is? You know, what the biggest, the, the biggest job in, in the U S like the employees, the most people I said, truck driver. And he goes, how'd you know that? <laughs> and I said, because, <laughs> you know, that's the biggest employer of, of people in, the, in North America is truck driver because we import a lot. We ship a lot. All these things going from door to door, from country to country, 
you know, relies on all those individuals. You know, you, you tend to look at them yeah. as these big companies, but they're individuals, like you said, these people that are stuck on the ships that are, you know, trying to get home across the border. And now they're having to do COVID tests when they enter and exit. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing what they do for us. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I know we're going to get into data a little bit later, but I also think, you know, the importance of technology. Um, you know, this year has really shown us, and obviously with COVID, the working from not only the working from home, but, you know, supply chain professionals taking that technology off the back shelf and bringing it to the forefront and really realizing how much they they need it and really need to take a look at what technology is out there and, and get it implemented and, and put it into process. That and lobbying the government as well, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. The the I, I put a, something on LinkedIn the other day that said, you know, you can't get a business number in Canada using a digital signature, but you can buy a home. And so, right. you know, it's so backwards. And so our, our whole yeah. thing with our company is, you know, if you're sending someone something on email or text and they can't do it on their phone, like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. who, who do you think you are? <laughs> you know, they're, they're literally, so you know, everyone doesn't have the infrastructure that they used to have. We're so used to doing everything on our phone and, and pressing a button and, and getting a package delivered from a distribution center a thousand miles away and it arrives in two days. But yeah. I, but when I give you an email, it has five PDF attachments that you have to try to print and sign and it's just crazy. So completely agree. And I think this has just accelerated it by years, which is going to be good for all of us. But we have to get the government on side as well. You know, really, you need a digital signature or sorry, you need a wet signature on a on a business number application where you can't prove anything. You can't prove forgery. You can't prove anything. But with a digital signature, you get IP address. You get so much information that you can trace right. it back. So it's just old school thinking that needs to needs to be uh, accelerated. That's an interesting perspective. So what do we need to integrate into our strategies for 2021? You know, thinking back about some of the things that we've learned and some of the stuff that we've just talked about, what do we have to integrate and implement for 2021 That's so that this year isn't wasted? I think we touched on it a bit, but the way we're looking at it is, is, you know, a lot of this isn't new. It's just making it better. So if, if you are doing, if you're sending an email around and, and copying in seven people and here's five attachments, it's like, there's a better way, you know, there is a better way there there's, you can do things digitally. Now you can use platforms to do commercial invoices and send things around. And there, I think it's just relooking at what is taking any extra minute, hour, seconds of time and how to squeeze that out of the supply chain. And that's yeah. really what we're focused on. You know, at Border Buddy, our goal is you get a quote and it's transmitted to custom within 30 seconds. That's that's a that's a 10-year goal, by the way. But we are we track every second of every process of the transaction. And why should it take an hour? I can get an Uber yeah. to my house in seven minutes. Uh, you mean you can't mm-hmm. set up a customs clearance in, in in five minutes? It's it's crazy. So we're just we're just really focused on squeezing all the time out of any process. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, a lot of supply chain professionals, they've got a lot on their plate right now. Um, You know, taking a look at those processes and what's happening. And like I said, we're going to get into data in a little bit, but I think that, you know, really taking what we've learned 
putting it into practice or at least taking a look at what's out there to really help us improve those processes so that we can move forward in a proactive way um, and really take what we've we've learned this year and and just move the business forward and move ourselves forward, I think, as well, because I think, you know, we've we've learned a lot about not only ourselves, but about each other and how we can best support each other as well. And so that brings me to collaboration. We both know that collaboration is the future of business. I mean, that is my favorite, favorite saying. And COVID has taught us the power of strong relationships. I've had numerous companies on the show that have really innovated, really stretched themselves and pulled it out of the bag to support their clients, whether that be in providing PPE or supplying extra staff or driving the insights needed to help customers pivot and stay afloat. So is the year's commitment to collaboration akin to some kind of wartime spirit? Like, are, is, this, is this here to stay? What do you think? I, I, I think so. I, I'm feeling the same thing. It's like, it's like, this is what we need. How do we make it happen? And, and, and because so many things were urgent, like there's more urgency in this year, I think, than any year that I've been around. It, it was, well, you know, we need these masks to these, you know, these healthcare workers like Friday. And okay, it, it wasn't, it didn't seem, it didn't seem illogical. It didn't seem like too much to ask. It was, it was like, okay, yes, now what do we need to do to make that happen? So I think the collaboration is, mm-hmm. is huge. And you know, I think I saw more requests for new information or new ideas this year than I've ever seen. And that that's just, okay, I've, I've got a supplier that makes t-shirts and now they're going to make masks and, and uh, you know, they've never imported them before. What do they need to do? Are they allowed in and things like that? So right. it was happened so quickly and everyone just gets it like, yes, we must do this. And so it's, it's to your point, it's like, shouldn't it always be this way? You know, shouldn't it always be yeah. like super helpful, super easy to do business with? super easy to to keep the customer in mind and work backwards. So yeah, I, I totally agree. I think the other thing that we see is with logistics and, and cross-border trade, I think there's a, there's a little bit of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, you know, wanting to people to know that it's difficult, you know, and, and we, we do take the opposite approach. We want to, we want to basically disappear, you know, like the cross-border piece should be the least, least thing you have in mind. You know, do you have the supply? Do you have the buyer? Let's just make all that other process disappear and make it make it invisible for our customers, so they can just worry on, worry about selling and 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 marketing their products, so they get into their customers' hands really easily. But I think the collaboration, for sure, has been. I've I've been working with people that I haven't heard from in years, and and it's <laughs> been super fun. Yeah, and I think for me, collaboration this year has really, we've really seen it in silos being broken down. Um, I think that we've still got some some ways to go, but I think we've also seen departments talking to each other, collaborating a little bit more um, so that supply chain really is that function that can help marketing and sales. And I think people are really opening their eyes to that. I think from another standpoint, we've seen um, maybe even some competitors look at working together in some respects, depending on what that looked like and and what needed to be done. So coming together and collaborating that way. I've also seen a lot of collaboration between suppliers and buyers. And Mm -hmm. a lot of suppliers, you know, had some challenges this year. And a lot of buyers worked hand in hand with their suppliers to maybe extend 
payment terms, which they would need to be able to stay in business. So really taking a look at what those suppliers needed and how they could stay in business by collaborating with their buyers. And I think a lot of that came from buyers initiatives and taking a look at what was going on around in the world, what people were going through and how really they could help the suppliers and the people that they work with on a day-to-day basis. So for me, that's what collaborations really meant this year. Yes. And and we've seen a lot of that. And I, I kind of forget that we haven't spoken, like we haven't done a show since, since COVID, but we had that, especially at the early times when, when a lot of our customers were shut down, we had customers asking us, you know, can we defer our payments? Can we defer duty and tax? Can we defer our customer brokerage fees? And, and we want to help as much as we can. So we had customers, yeah, they they didn't, they would normally pay us once a month. And now we had them out, you know, four or five months. And, and, you know, we look at that and say, this customer has been with us for 20 years. You know, we, we want to do all we can to support them. And we have to, balance that with our own risk, of course, but, you know, we know, okay, they're shut down. They're probably going to be open back up. It's not a problem with their business. It's a problem with the, the environment. And so a lot of collaboration happening there. And then I think the other thing that we, we touched on a bit with, with, you know, collaboration and, and sort of digitization was for the first time, we really had a lot of people asking us, like, there must be a better way to do this. And we've been working, yeah. we've been working on this, you know, digital documentation a lot. And, and we would try to push it. They're like, no, we're okay. We're okay. You know, for years, you know, and, and then all of a sudden you have like the CFO calling saying, my people are spending too much time on this. Is there a better way? We're like, yes, there is. Let's, let's, let's talk. And so a lot of that collaboration has been, has been really fun to figure out, you know, we used to, there's a great question that I, that someone asked. I said, what did you think was true before COVID that you no longer believe is true? And so when you frame it that way, well, I, I used to think that my way was the fastest way to do it. And and now, no, there's actually a, a lot better way to do it, or there's a more efficient way of doing it, or you can do one step instead of five. And so a lot of collaboration and brainstorming around that too. Yeah, yeah. And I'm finding that because uh, we just launched ships in September, and I'm finding that with a lot of the conversations that I'm having with importers and exporters as well, their teams are kind of like, there's got to be a better way of doing this. And um so they're they're really open to having that conversation and sort of you know seeing how the platform can really take some of their antiquated processes and and making it better. So that's been really exciting for me. But how do we you know how do we drive that momentum of collaboration? Do you think into 2021? I mean, it's been a long road, right? We and we've seen collaboration in in different aspects throughout the year. But how do we drive that forward into 2021 so we don't just go back to what we were doing before? I, I think it's a, you know, I use a, an overused term maybe, but sort of lean into it. And, and one of the things you mentioned about competitors is I've been having a lot of fun in March when things first went crazy with, with basically the border closing and, and shipment volumes dropping by 20%, 30%. I just said, you know what, I'm going to phone on my competitors. And, and I have some, a lot of, we have a lot of friendly competitors that same thing with you, you know, multi-generational businesses grew up with them going to the CSCB conferences and things like that. And I started reaching out and, and I realized, okay, this, this guy's never taken any customers from me. I've never taken any customers from him. You know, we, we've, we we're friendly competitors and, and I started making those calls. And now I do almost one a week with competitors and it's been so much fun because we're talking about 
the industry. We're talking about how to be better, how to how to do things better for our customers. You know, we're not revealing any major confidential issues, but I will tell them, okay, yeah, our business dropped by 30% in April and that wasn't very fun. And here's some things that we did. And, mm-hmm. and he, you know, they have some ideas. And so I think it's just trying things. I, I, I tell some of my friends that I'm calling competitors, like, why would you do that? And I said, well, it's just so much fun because we're in this together. No, no one competitor has more than, you know, even in the, the Mercs of the world don't have more than, you know, 20% of market share and they never, it's so huge. So it's just been trying new things and, and you don't, you'll never know until you try it, try something new and, and keep going. You know, so I think to your point is just, just clean slate everything and, and try things that you haven't tried before. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, driving the momentum into 2021 for me, collaboration is going to be all about communication. So it's going to be that procurement professional that walks into that supply chain office and starts the conversation or vice versa of, you know, what are you doing on a day-to-day basis? How can we support each other and what does that look like? Or the supply chain leader walking into the marketing office and saying, listen, I know we're closely linked. Customer experience has everything to do with what we do on a supply chain basis. Can we have a more regular meeting to talk about the challenges that you're facing or what you want to be doing and how we can support your efforts. Um, even sales, you know, and, and I think, so that's where I think communication is really going to help drive the, that momentum into the new year. And I think without it, we are going to lose momentum. And so I would encourage supply chain professionals, procurement professionals, marketing professionals, sales professionals to really dig down, take a look at who's, who's in your, in your business, who's in the company, um, who's leading your supply chain, who's leading your procurement and sit down and have a conversation with them and really figure out what those innovative ideas are. And like you said, it could be a lot of fun. And I, I really just encourage people to, to sort of keep that going. So the next part of the conversation is about data. And I have been talking about this a lot, like data has surpassed oil for like (laughs) the, the commodity that is the, um, you know, the most used or the most valuable. Um, but it's very much linked to collaboration when we think about, you know, blockchain, because blockchain is very much collaborative when we're talking about data. And, you know, it's another important and trending topic of the year. I don't think we can get through 2020 without talking about data. Um, so I think that, you know, I've had some fascinating businesses on the show talking about data, both at the startup level, showcasing their tech, and old dogs who are investing in change. What what are what are your thoughts around data? Why are people opening up more, you know, focused data-driven ways of working? I think what what's happened is there's we we sort of refer to it as like the single source of truth. Like, you know, there's yes. another saying, a quote that I love is and I, I, people internally probably hate me saying it, but they, you know, I said, "Okay, if we have the data, let's use the data." If we just have opinions, we're going with mine. And, and right. you know, and I love that saying because what it's basically saying is we all have opinions on things, but if we have the facts and the data, you can make such great decisions. Now, there'll always be an entrepreneurial side that says, hey, I don't have data. I have to make a gut decision on that. And I, that's a totally different conversation. But when we have the metrics and the data that shows things, I think we have to be leading with that and not wasting time and 
on, on idea, you know, not ideas, but opinions on things when we actually have the data. A, a quick example for yeah. us is we have so many KPIs in our company, all probably too many, but we do, we do categorize them. So we say these are the top 15 or so for the whole company. And then we might have hundreds more that are fun to watch. And we go, okay, that one doesn't matter after all. So we're going to kill that one. But, you know, ev- ev- almost everything that you do in life has a number or a KPI to it that says, you know, that was good. Okay, why was that good? You know, what is the data that says that was good and that was bad? Okay, why was that bad? So it's super fun. I think I think what people just realize is once you have the data, you, you can't go back to another way. You would never go mm-hmm. back to saying, let's just guess at this and I, I think that it's good. It's like, hey, let's let's look at the data and 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 make great decisions from that. And, and it's it it's actually I, I keep using the word fun, but I just think it's so fun. It's like let's throw this KPI up on the dashboard for a few weeks and see what happens. And that one went green, and look at all the other things that went green because of that. I think that KPI is actually the leading indicator of that outcome. And right. And so it, it it it's a little bit like you know gamifying your business. It's like a video game. You know how can I get to the next level uh, by by beating last week's number or last month's number. Absolutely. I think for me, you know, 2020 wouldn't be a year without data. I think, you know, 2020 really brought forth the importance of data and how game changing it is to your business. You know, I think, you know, data can make us more proactive than reactive. And when COVID hit, we saw how much we were doing that was reactive versus the proactive of where we want to be or could be. And I think that was a huge change for a lot of people in realizing how important, like I've, I've been talking about data for so long and talking about the importance and getting your data house in order and what does that look like and, you know, what data can help drive your business forward. And I feel like it was kind of an uphill battle up until this year and people really getting it. Um, but so I want to ask you, cause I know you are very open to innovative ideas and stuff like that. Do you think that it's like the next generation driving a new way of working and thinking as well as combined with what happened in 2020 with COVID where we're seeing a shift in that mindset? Because I, I feel like this year too, the next generation just got that much more vocal. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a combination of things affecting this. And, and I find that, again, I, I'm fully remote. Our team is fully remote. So, and we don't want to be having endless meetings all week long. So going back to the data, it, it's like, let's just look at that and monitor that and watch that and see, you know, what is happening. And, and I just think that it's really strange when, when you can't speak as easily, you have to have a reference point. And so, right. you know, that data shows you a, a quick example for us is our customers really care about responsiveness. They care about, Hey, when I have I don't want to actually ever talk to you. Like really they don't, they want to ship and it disappears. It gets delivered to their customer with no, no friction. But when they do contact us, they want us to be extremely responsive. I actually had a customer the other day said, when I said, what's responsive to you? He said, anytime in the next 10 seconds would be great. And, and <laughs> you know, he's, he said that with tongue in cheek, but Really, when you have a hot issue, you, you don't want to be sitting there with hours for it. So then we started saying, okay, how are we doing? We have service level agreements on our on our responses by email and phone. And then, okay, that's great. We have SLAs, but are we actually are we actually monitoring the breaches right now? Like how many breaches did we have last week of our service level agreements for returning a phone call in X minutes or X hours? And 
and it just gets like I, I keep saying fun, but it's just really fun to say, okay, our our top customers, we had zero breaches, and our, our we we do tier our customers, and we had okay, this uh, you know this third tier, we had four breaches last week, so okay, why was that? And and so it's just using data to solve the problems, and and it's it's just what else would you do? You know, just guess or just you know <laughs> have an opinion on on what what the customers care about when you really know what your customer cares about. Mm-hmm. There's data around it. And to your point, also about collaboration, that end-to-end piece of you've got marketing, sales, you know, fulfillment, billing. When you put all those teams together in a room and just look at the data, it's shocking, yeah. right? It's like, oh, my piece is good, but look at you over there. It took four days for you to build a file or it took six days to sign up the account. I thought I was, you know, it, it's really fun to put all that together and then work together to, to squeeze that down. Well, yeah, and just asking the question, how can I better support you so your your numbers can go up? Exactly. Right? Or your yeah. KPIs can go up or your light can turn green. Um, you know what I mean? It's it's no longer each for their own. It's it's really how can we help you? And what we're doing over here might be affecting what you're doing over there. And so it really drives that collaboration point as well, which is huge. So now let's talk about diversity and inclusion. Um, because I think it's a, the other a light thing topic, that, right? Like just an easy topic. <laughs> well, I think the way that we're going to dive into this is because 2020 for me has really shone a light on people. Mm-hmm. It's really shone a light on our industry as supply chain, but the people within supply chain. I have had some of the best experiences, some of the best conversations, some of the best friendships with people I have never even met in person. And Mm -hmm. you're one of them. Um, And that was pre-COVID. But during COVID, it's really driven that true for me. And I think that, you know, it wouldn't be a year in review without talking about diversity and inclusion. It's something very close to my heart, of course, because this year we launched Blended, uh, which has been amazing. Just hearing the authentic stories, the genuineness of the people in our industry. And so I think we just need to talk about people and the diversity and inclusion and how important it is moving forward, because obviously this year has shone a light on so many things within diversity and inclusion, especially, you know, Black Lives Matter and and what that looks like and what it has been like. And people are leaning in and they're researching and they're researching to understand. And so I want to just, I, I like I said, I don't think it's going to be a year in review episode without talking about it. So I don't know if you've listened to the show, but what are your thoughts around diversity and inclusion and what's kind of been happening in 2020? Yeah. So first of all, you know, I'm a arguably middle-aged white man. <laughs> and so I'm all ears on this topic. So I, I'm I'm learning so much, and uh, and so I've had a lot of conversations around this with friends and with family members and our some of our people. And I, I, our approach on this, I would say, is you know we want our business and our industry or our company to represent what you would see if you went outside the building, right? You know, so we want to represent the community that we're involved in, and. And what what I find very interesting about this topic is, is there one right answer? You know, you go back to data, and and is this the right way or the wrong way to look at it? You know, in in British Columbia, for example, the population, the black population, is about one percent. So there's about one percent 
uh, black people in, in British Columbia. So then if you have 100 people in your company, does that mean one person is supposed to be black? And, and that can sound really blunt, but if you look at the diversity reports that come out of tech companies, it's always got this data around it. Okay, our board is this, has this, you know, the, you know this is how diverse we are at a board level, this is how we are everywhere else. Uh, so is that a starting place? You know, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the answer is other than, hey, our business should really represent our community. And, in, and I'll use, I'll use mm -hmm. our, I happen to have some data on this because I'm very interested in this. Uh, you know, we have about 60 people in our company now and 25 of them are a Caucasian. So only 25 of those 60 people are Caucasian. So I consider us extremely diverse and I, I consider our people when I look at, we have this, we have this org chart that has everyone's faces on it. And I just love seeing everyone. I always get on people when they don't put their, their profile photo up. And some people are like, Oh, I don't like my photo. I said, put something up, uh, put a picture of you and your dog or whatever you like. And I love looking at it because I said, that's what my community looks like. And, and yeah, I, to me, that's, that's what I'm working on. I don't know if that's right or wrong. All I know is I'm, I feel very diverse as a company we're about 80% female. Uh, and, and so I feel like, okay, I think we're diverse. We're not a bunch of 50 year old white men, uh, you know, just sort of ruling the, yeah. the, the business. And I'd love to hear your yeah. thoughts. I, like I said, I'm all ears uh, because I'm, I'm learning every day. Well, and I consider you and I consider Border Buddy one of the biggest innovators in our industry um, and through some of the conversations that we've had. And I think I want to say that part of that and one of the reasons behind that is because you're such a diverse company and you have diverse thoughts and perspectives that are coming to the table and you're very open to hearing about new ideas and trying out new ideas and figuring out what works and what doesn't work. And so I want to say kudos to you because I think that's because of what you've done in the diversity and inclusion front at Border Buddy. Yeah, it, it's a journey, right? You know, and I'll just, a, a quick example for me is, you know, we talk about this, about technology and, and what's accelerated, you know, my, my, EA, my assistant is black and she lives in Florida. And when the George Floyd incident happened, I had my, I have a weekly call with her every Monday morning and I'm looking at her and I'm going like, I want to cry. Right. I'm like, mm -hmm. like, what do I say? Like it, it, it's, yeah. you know, and, and so we had this amazing, we had a, like an hour conversation and what I, what I took from that was everyone's experience is different. We can't broad brush yeah. things. She, no. she grew up, she grew up in a school that was mostly white. They loved her and accepted her for what she was. She, she doesn't, didn't have a lot of experience with discrimination. Uh, and, and I'm going, wow, like, okay, but I've got a South Asian friend in BC that grew up in terrible scenario. And, and, and mm -hmm. I'm thinking we're very uh, inclusive in BC, but she grew up in elementary school and high, being ridiculed and made fun of. And so I can't say that, oh, this is how it is, or that's how I want to learn from every person. And yeah. it's, it's very challenging because you try to do, do something and to make things better, but, but everyone looks at it a little bit differently. They have the, everyone has their own experiences, their own lens. 
They do. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I created Blended. And I didn't want to just create another podcast series where it was me and a guest. I wanted to create a safe space for people from all walks of life to come together and talk about their experiences because it it isn't a broad brush. Everybody has their their own experiences and perspectives and thoughts. And we can't start to understand them until we actually listen to them and we learn from them. And so what's been interesting for me, the first episode of Blended was called What's in a Word? And so we talked about the words being used and is it okay to use black or do we use person of color or what about the word minority? Do we use underrepresented instead because minority has such a negative connotation? And you know, a lot of people in that episode didn't really realize the negative connotations of the word minority. And once we had the conversation about it, really felt like, yeah, no, that's not a word that really represents who I am. And one of the conversations we had on the first episode, um, we were talking about, or I was talking with one of one of the guests, and I said, can I ask you how you identify? Mm. And he said, well, it really all depends what the <laughs> scenario is. And I said, why? I said, we each, wanna, we each want everybody to accept us for who we are. But how can we accept somebody if we can't ask you and you can't explain yourself? And once we had the conversation as a group, he then turned to us afterwards and said, no, you know what? I want you to ask me because yeah. I want you to understand and I want you to lean in. And so that was the part of the conversation in episode one. Episode two was about story of my life. And we talked to various different people from all walks of life talking about the stories, some of the things that they've been through, some of the conversations that they've had and the words that were said to them and how it carried through and what it meant for them and what was the impact of that particular scenario or what was the impact of those words mm -hmm. and how did it carry on with them and how did they get over it? And that was really impactful because we really got into the the genuine stories and of what people have gone through and and it's it was just amazing. And then episode three, which have, which has just launched, um, is about the gender equation. And so I brought Henrik from Singapore. He had all the data mm -hmm. about the gender equation. And I brought him on the show because I wanted to talk about the data and the numbers and what that looks like. But then we also talked about allyship and how can we be better allies? We talked about women against women and we talked about women supporting women. What does that look like? How does it need to look like? What are some of the conversations that we're having at work when it comes to gender that we need to change? And why are we still saying some of the things that we're saying? And so I have learned just from those three episodes so much. And I, we've been getting some really, really great feedback from the industry about the episodes because everybody is so authentic and genuine. I think it's because people just want to tell, they want to be heard. Yeah. They want to tell their story. They want their thoughts and their perspectives to be heard and understood. They want you know, their innovative ideas to maybe be, be tried and tested and sort of see where it goes. And so I am truly grateful to everybody who has been on that series and for everybody who's going to be on that series, because there's a lot more to come. I've got, <laughs> I've got people lined up all through 2021. And I cannot wait to keep charging forward on some of these topics um, and bringing everybody together on that. So in saying that, before we go, Graham, what are you working on for 2021? And then I'll talk about what, what I have been working on from, uh, from this past year as well. 
Well, let me, I can't skip over the, diver, the diversity part for a second. I think, you know, you're very passionate about, I can tell from that what you just said. And, and I think what I just noticed is I got excited listening to you because I think the point that you made about asking and not being afraid to ask is the yeah. key to opening the conversation. So when I was talking to Jasmine about her experiences, she said, you know, thank you for asking because, you know, we mm -hmm. need more people in like you asking and opening up the conversation. And what you just made me realize is my COO is a female and she's South Asian. I'm calling her South Asian, but I have never asked her. Uh, right. because it used to like the people would say East Indian or Indian. And, and now I've heard from a friend of mine that she doesn't want to be called that she wants to be called South Asian. So I, I've never asked her. So I have a call with her after this and I'm going to ask her. And I think that's, yeah. that's the key is, is opening the door conversation. And the, the only comparison I have for it is, I don't know if you have anyone really close to you die, but when my mom died, I noticed people were afraid to ask me anything or say anything. Right. I didn't know what to yeah. say. Well, guess what? Just saying, I'm sorry, like two words is better than saying mm -hmm. nothing. So opening the door, starting the conversation. So, you know, I learned, I learned from that. Anytime I know someone that has someone close to die, I'm calling them, I'm emailing them, I'm texting them, whatever I think they would prefer. It's better than silence. You have to speak up yeah. and ask and say something. So uh, yeah. thanks for bringing that up. And thanks for spearheading it, you know, within our industry as well. And that's another thing with, with, you know, truck drivers, there happens to be a lot of South Asian truck drivers. And we got to figure out how to, we have people in our office that can speak their language that can help them across the border that can tell them, give them directions and things like that. And it's super important. Um, yeah. So thank you again on, on the future, you know, again, our, our theme really is almost, it seems a little boring, but it's almost, you know, nothing new, everything better. So if, if you can't say that your experience, your customer experience, your, your onboarding, your signing of your documents, your billing isn't the best that it can be, you know, why are you going after another shiny object first? Just spend the time on getting the boring basics so good that everyone that deals with it loves it. I always use Amazon and, and eBay and, 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 you know, ordering Domino's pizza. It's like, I press a button it gets delivered. I'm, I love you to death and I've never talked to you. I'm so happy. Um, <laughs> and, and so it, can you make your own experience that way? And now you can, there's nothing holding you back technology wise. You can compete with anybody on any scale. You know, if, if, if Maersk has a freight quote, you know, on their, on their, website or in an app, you can do that as well. It doesn't cost a million dollars anymore. It's really inexpensive to do that. So just getting everything better. Uh, and that's what we keep hearing from our customers is, you know, just make it easy, make it simple. Don't make me think about it. I pay you to, to remove headaches. So we want to just double down on that and go, okay, what's, what's ruffling, what's creating friction and let's remove it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I just want to finish the show by mentioning some of the things I've personally been working on this year. We officially launched ships, that's S-H-I-P-Z or Z.com into the market in September for mid-market importers, exporters, freight forwarders uh, to move their air freight and ocean freight shipments that much easier. Of course, we launched Blended, which I was just talking about. I hosted some amazing and moderated some amazing online events and webinars. And I'm just thankful for everybody who joined us in the audience, joined us afterwards, participated in all of our posts and comments and everything like that. I mean, the community has been just so amazing to us this year. 
Um, and we've grown the team. We're thinking big. And I've got some really, really big plans for 2021. So stay tuned for all of that. But yeah, just want to give a big thanks to all of our sponsors this year. Graham, you're definitely one of those with Border Buddy. Thank you so much for supporting us, for supporting the show, and to the community for supporting us and supporting our content and um, for all our customers and, and everybody who's been on board this week or this year. Um, I appreciate everybody's support and just love the supply chain community. I mean, it's in my blood. <laughs> um, thanks so much, Graham, for coming on the show. Did you have well, any congr- last words for everybody? Just wanted to say congratulations on a great year. And thank you again for having me. It's been really fun. Thank you. And congratulations to you as well. I'm looking forward to working with you more closely in 2021. I think you and I have got some things under our thumb for 2021. I can't wait to share with you and work with you and your team and share that with everybody else as well. So what what a special way to end a tumultuous year. Thank you so much. Thanks, Graham. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. And remember to come back in 2021 when we'll be bringing you even more amazing supply chain content. Until then, have a happy and healthy holiday. If you enjoyed our podcast, there are a few ways to support the show. You can follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and now TikTok. You can also subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com or subscribe to Let's Talk Supply Chain over on YouTube as well. Visit ships, that's S-H-I-P-Z or Z.com and sign up. We are in full beta. And if you are a forwarder or shipper that wants to streamline the pricing of your air freight and ocean freight shipments, gain access to more choice worldwide and utilize the best of data to reduce shipping risks, then you won't want to miss out on our platform. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop. And remember, you can always be featured on an upcoming episode. Just head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.